The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome into a hangover edition of the Pride of Detroit POD cast. After Monday Night Football, no real jingle. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, that's the jingle. Right. Okay. See, I said it's a hangover. We're just coming out here really strong, really strong out of the gate for me. Chris Fett, the adequate host, the conductor of the Pride of Detroit POD cast, whether you like it or not, at Chris Fett on Twitter. Uh, we're coming to you after our post-game talk last night, after a Lions loss. And trying to break down where exactly this team is at right now, as we have now had time to stew on this or not stew on this, depending on who you are and how much thought you've given to this game. One guy who has given plenty of thought is Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit Online. Hello, Jeremy. How's it going, Chris? Birthday boy, Chris. I know I know you are thrilled about me mentioning your birthday, but I'm going to. It's your birthday. Well done. I thought this was the Earthwind Fire Day, actually. I didn't realize it was my birthday, to be honest. You get both. I get both. I know. Yeah. Every year. Every you're, year. You're one, of those, it's, you're one of those unfortunate people that like, you know, have a birthday on Christmas. How are you supposed to celebrate both? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the uh, great band Earthwind and Fire has completely <laughs> erased my existence from the world. And we must thank them for that. Uh, born on an inauspicious year of 1986, too, where literally everything happened. And I'm pretty sure 86 was like the demarcation of when the living world actually ended. So we're living in the corpse of it, which is a great way to talk about Lions football, to be honest. Yeah. One man who is very much so a living dead, uh, living dead boy. See, I'm keeping I'm keeping the music train rolling here. Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P.O.D. Ryan. Hello. Happy birthday, Chris. Hi. Thank you. You're welcome. Glad that this is turning into something on my on the Twitch channel, at least. <laughs> well, I'm paid watching. to be here, so I don't know if that. <laughs> Wait, we're anything. getting we're getting paid. Oh, shit. Mm. <laughs> Ryan, you weren't you weren't supposed to tell him you're supposed to sign the birthday card. Oh, crap. <laughs> what birthday card? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hate how self-involved this is already. <laughs> Lions 17, Packers 35. 
there. How's that for killing the mood? You did it. Uh, yeah. So, a lot of thoughts out of this game. A lot of interesting takes to come out of this. So, we'll just straight up from the top. Um, we gave our post-game analysis. There was a lot of anger directed to the defense. We'll get to that. There was different ways to look at Jared Goss' performance. We'll get to that. Uh, how are we feeling uh, not about, I would say, 12 hours later, Jeremy? feel okay, honestly. Like, maybe... I think this happens a lot with me upon rewatching a game in which the Lions lose and that I just, I feel a little bit better about it. You know, I've, I've watched three quarters of it, so I still haven't watched the fourth quarter. So, you know, there's, there's more bad things to come, but in general, like the Lions played per, like almost three good quarters of football. And obviously the defense was really, really bad. Um, but it was, it was actually a little bit better than I thought. They got themselves into situations in which they could get off the field, unlike in week one where it seemed like the 49ers didn't have a single third down. I know they technically had nine, but um, it just they, they, they couldn't come up with that extra one play that they needed several times. And so, um, you know, whether it was a penalty or, you know, Tracy Walker not getting that interception that he, that he could have had or, um, you know, a, a third and 14 conversion, things like that. They, they just couldn't seem to get the one extra play they needed. And that, I think that just speaks to the talent of the defense, right? Like they don't have a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball right now. So when they need someone to step up and make a play, everyone's just kind of looking at each other and be like, all right, who's going to do something? And, and usually the answer is nobody. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll get into it too. Um, so yeah, with, with, with this game uh, on my first watch, I, I think a lot of the confirmation that uh, that Jeremy's getting on, on his second watch is, is a lot of the stuff that I, I think I noticed as well. Um, you know, it, it's a really young defense, right? And and I don't think that's, that's necessarily an excuse for them. Um, but when you're on cornerback three, who's lining up against Devontae Adams and giving up 50-yard passes on third and 12, like you said, Jeremy, it, it seemed like even if the defense made a play, like the, the very play before that was the Michael Brockers sack. Yep. And it was like the defense was good for one play per drive. Like they were good for one stop. There, there was there was a, there were a couple of plays by Nick Williams where he got in for a sack. There was a play where he made a tackle for a loss. But then that was followed up with Aaron Rodgers getting a first down somehow. And, you know, I I, I found Dan Campbell's comment about realizing that they needed to outscore the Packers early on in this game. I found that to be a fascinating quote and uh, for, for a multitude of reasons, but for the, for the, for the biggest reason is at, at first I wasn't sure I agreed with it. And then the more I thought about it, it made a lot of sense. Like this defense is bad. There, there's, there's no way that this team is going to be able to, to make stops when they need to make stops. So they need the offense to be clicking on, on on all cylinders when it when it comes to when it comes to game day because they they can't win otherwise because they they don't have a defense that's filled with playmakers uh, they have right. a defense that's filled with really young guys that are that are learning to play at the NFL level and it, it's about expectations right like that that quote from Campbell I think got a little bit blown out of proportion you know basically saying like he puts the, he essentially said he puts a loss on the offense um but. It's about expectations, right? Like when you go up against Aaron Rodgers, you expect to get kind of into a shootout and he expects this defense to struggle because he knows it's young and, and, and not so good. 
but he has high expectations for this offense. I think the Lions do overall. They got a good offensive line. They have a quarterback that they at least believe in. They have a big weapon in TJ Hawkinson and, and a couple of good backs. They think that's enough to, to potentially, you know, go toe to toe with an Aaron Rodgers. And for three quarters, it was. And so what, what changed? Well, the offense turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter or once in once late in the third quarter, once in the fourth quarter, turned the ball over on downs. Once that stopped, the game spiraled out of control. And so in a way, yeah, I get what he's saying. But at the same time, like you, you can't function that way long term, right? The, the expectation is that the defense needs to show improvement as the, as the season goes on. Otherwise, you're you're having to play perfect football on offense or you're going to lose games. It's the 2016 season. Yeah. Yeah, I just it, it feels like this was kind of the expected outcome in a very once again, in a very roundabout way in that. You, you knew you were going to get into a foot race with Green Bay. And on a bounce back game, like that's what it was. Like, I don't I don't care how bad Green Bay was against the Saints. This was kind of coming. This was you weren't you weren't going to catch them sleeping two in a row. If it was, I would have been shocked. And then I would have said you throw on all the warning lights in Green Bay. But you were going to get in a foot race with them. And at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers was just going to take care of the ball better. Like every other team is going to probably have those mistakes where you're going to get at least one turnover. The lions had obviously two with the fumble and the interception. So yeah, you give them opportunities to get right back on the field. Then they're going to take those opportunities and grind you up. And there's not much you can do because the minute you have, you stop scoring touchdowns, the minute you get settle for a field goal at the end of the half, even though I think that was kind of the right I don't I don't want to break down too much. I know we talked about it on the post game about was it right for him for uh, Dan Campbell to kind of burn up the clock too much and only go for the field goal rather than trying to get a touchdown straight away? Because the problem there is that if you if you score too fast, you, you pointed this out last night, Jeremy, goes gives the ball right back to Aaron Rodgers. Three timeouts. Yeah, and, and the whole point is of trying to play the Packers is don't let Aaron Rodgers touch the football. And, and, and to be clear, yeah. Campbell Campbell's asked today, like, would you change anything there? Or if, if that situation comes up again in a, in a similar scenario, would you do what you did this time? He said, yeah. Oh, absolutely. No question. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I think when you get a losing scenario, you do have to change some stuff. But it's just it's I, I don't know. I it felt like a talent mismatch. Like you could definitely see this Lions team take advantage of their banged up defense. And it's not a good defense for the, for the, for the yeah. Packers. No, the Packers have a bad defense, but this is all, but the lions also have a bad defense yes, they and do. that, and, and that, that makes all the difference because when it's offense versus offense, they have Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams. And you have, and the lions have Jared Goff and a ground game. That's still growing and a, and a bunch of young guys. Yeah. And that's, that's the end of it, man. You're just out talented. Yeah, but but yeah, and and I can see again going back to Dan Campbell's comments. I can see why his idea was like, listen, we're going up against a bad Green Bay defense. We're going to go going up against Aaron Rodgers. Let's let's try to win this one with an offensive shootout. And obviously, they tried to slow the game down with the run game, and it again worked in the first half. They they were able to go toe to toe. They had an extra possession, so they were up an extra. You know, they were up three points at, at the half, and just. It, Jared Goff isn't capable of playing a, a perfect game. He isn't. And maybe we can transition this into Jared Goff talk a little bit because I thought he, had, I, 
I mean, we were on the show last night, and I was pretty positive about Jared Goff's performance, where I was pretty negative about his performance uh, the week before. And again, I got backlash that I was I was in the wrong here. And and to me, it feels a little bit like Lions fans are reacting to what they saw last in each game. So Jared mm-hmm. Goff comes back with that comeback in in week one, and it's just like, oh wow, he's actually pretty good. Like he made all these crazy comebacks and had the Lions in a position to win. Whereas this week, the very end turnovers, zero points in the second half. He sucks. And well, it's just like, but he had this team in a really good spot halfway through the third quarter. And I don't know, like if I'm judging a player's performance and judging a quarterback's performance, dropping a snap isn't just like, isn't a thing where it's just like, oh, he's a bad quarterback. He dropped a snap. Like, no, that's just, it's an accident. It's, it's something, it, it's, it's fluky. And I know that there's this whole thing with Jared Goff has small hands and, you know, he, he's more. He, he to, dropped. To he dropped the, the ball. ball. He, he dropped a snap but, while it was raining. Let's let's yeah. also be clear about that. Right. Like you have to put all of this into context. He he did that, and then on a on a key third down play, it happens again, and it sucks. I don't think it makes him a bad quarterback. I don't think he he. I don't think he threw a ton of bad passes in this game. He had an interception late, which was a horrible decision and a bad pass. But for most of the part, he was making the right decisions. He was making the right reads. He was throwing accurate passes. He was good in the pocket. He just turned the ball over a couple times, once fluky, one not so fluky. And to I, me, that that's a big step forward from week one. The big knocks I have on Jared Goff is that he he had all the time in the world to throw, and it looked like he was still getting a little lost on some of his reads, that he just wasn't making that decision on where to put the ball, which is going to be a problem when you're not going to get you know five seconds standing up because your offensive line is handling that. That's going to result in more problems down the line. I agree that he he played a pretty good half. I think where the dissonance comes on on Jared Goff is what is Jared Goff? Because if he is a if he is a quarterback that's supposed to I don't know lead lead your offense, he doesn't have the arm strength to do that. He's not going to get that ball down the field. He had a little bit better average finding uh finding receivers. He certainly kept finding Quintez Cephas and he got some good yardage with him, but it's still kind of a long cry from, I think what fans are used to, but is he also, but then on the flip side, is he a game manager? I don't know if he's, but I I don't know if he is careful enough to like, that's the problem is that I think he is a game manager, but when you're a game manager, you can't make any mistakes because the fan will, the fans will see those mistakes and they'll, they'll eat you on it. You know what? Back to back to Jeremy's point about the perception of of golf's first two games. I think what we have here is a classic case of box score heroes. You know, you look at the box score that Jared Goff put up in the 49ers game. He throws the ball a ton, 38 to 57, 338 yards, three touchdowns. This game, a little less impressive, only 246 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And I, I, I agree with you, Jeremy. I think it's it's whatever that last taste that's left in Lions fans' mouths is is their takeaway from Jared Goff. It, any quarterback has the first half that Jared Goff has, and I think any NFL team would be thrilled with their quarterback play. You know, and oh man, it's uh, it's going to be a long season, that's for sure. Um, but my one of my big takeaways from this game, and, and it's not super Lions oriented. It's that I don't think the Packers are really that good. <laughs> I, I I think that maybe you're looking at the weakest of the NFC division winners in the Packers. And I think that they're kind of I think they're going to win this division kind of 
by default. They had this was their get right game and they had a good team to beat up on to do it. But I mean, their schedule coming up, they're going to have to go on the road to the 49ers and then play the Steelers. Did they did they really I I don't how much did they really like impose their will on the Lions? Like their defense is bad. The Lions were leading at halftime. They they were within one score deep into the third quarter. It, it, It took it took injuries and an implosion from the offense and a really bad defense for the Packers to beat them 35 17. I don't I'm not sold like the Packers have to go play like the best teams in the NFL when it comes to when it comes to their their seedings against they, similar similar opponents. I, I also I also think I they needed know. they also needed like almost 80 yards of penalties on the Lions too. Certainly like not, not to bring it back to officiating. You want, you want to talk about the rest, Chris? I don't I don't want to talk <laughs> about the rest. We, we talked about it, but I'm saying that that factors into them kind of skating out because like, yeah, they were the beneficiaries. They had several holding calls go against them, but they're also the beneficiaries of of penalty yardage on the Lions, especially in key positions. Yeah. And, and, and one of the other spot, posi- especially spot fouls. And, and one last thing that really stood out to me about Green Bay is I don't think they really ran the ball all that well. Like, no, it, it was no. A lot of it, it was, was handing off was uh, passing off to Aaron Jones. Yes, it was. It was short area stuff like that. Like as far as rushing the ball, I I mean, on the edges, I think they did a good job. Yeah. But anything that they tried to do in between the tackles didn't really happen. And I mean, they only they ran for, I think, like three point five yards of carry. If you take away uh, Jordan Love's kneel downs. But I, I, I thought that the Lions were going to get really run on by a duo of of Dylan and Jones. And it, I mean, 17 carries for 67 yards, five carries from Dylan for 18 yards. It, it was all the it was all the dink and dunk stuff underneath. Yeah. And I'll let I'll let Jeremy jump in. But uh, one other thing that the that the Packers didn't do that we historically see the Packers do the Lions. Aaron Rodgers didn't find bro- broken down plays to run on them. Sure. They, they, he, he was they not making plays pocket. with his legs. Yep. That's a good point. And and this kind of goes to my overall overall point about the Lions defense looking a little bit better than than I thought originally. And just to bring it back to the Lions so this doesn't become a Packers podcast. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm talking I, I, about how bad they are. I, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, I, the one thing I would say there is let, let's wait on their defense. It's a new defensive scheme. It might get better, but it does not look good so far. And it's Joe Barry, so it probably won't get better. Um, <laughs> but the defensive front, like like you said, Chris, like it, they kept Aaron Rodgers in the pocket pretty much for the entire game. They contained him. They, they notched three sacks. They had a couple negative plays in the running game as well. We didn't see any of that last week. We, didn't, we saw, what, one sack from, from Tracy Walker. Every, I think every single run that the 49ers had was either for one or more yards, literally no negative plays. And, mm-hmm. and so we saw some improvement on that front in this game. And I thought, I thought um, Romeo Quara had a, had a fantastic game, especially sealing that edge both in the run game and in past, you know, past rushing. And, um, and yeah, I, I think there was a little bit more promise there. I'd like to see a little more Levi. I'd like to see a little more Leem in there. I didn't think John Penasini was very good in this game. Um, but but overall, I thought there were some promising f- things from the defensive front that, that you know, th- they're still not really where I think the expectations were at the beginning of the year, and maybe we were hyping the def- defensive line up a little bit too much like we seem to do every single offseason. Um, but but I, I would say there, there are a little bit more positives uh, in the second viewing on that defensive front. Yeah, we're, we're going to get back to some of the negatives 
farther back on the defense. But I think we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to revisit the offense. We're going to talk a little bit more on Jared Goff. Um, I want to touch on the running game, which is legitimately good. And I'm scared to say the Lions have established the run. Um, It's happened. I don't know how it's happened. And quite honestly, Jeremy, I'm frightened. Um, And we're going to keep talking about the offensive line because that at least gives us some pleasure. That gives us that gives us hope. That gives us fun, fun things to talk about, except for one part. But we'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Stop wishing me a happy birthday. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hopping back into it again on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Uh, Let's talk about the offense a little bit more from this game. Uh, I want to start with the run game because that seems to be the brightest, brightest, bright spot we can find, which is kind of fascinating because the Lions actually didn't really run much in this game. Jared Goff is your rushing leader in the game uh, for some very awkward scampers. Effective, but still looks very awkward, like a gazelle frightened out there that nevertheless he cuts back inside because he wants to get a few more yards. I don't understand it. It just works, all right? It's like it's like chaos magic. It just you just have belief in it and it works, but it's, it's endearing to a blue collar town. Uh, it's it's endearing to a town with a lot of nerds in it. I He's guess got grit. He's got grit because he ran it up. I don't know if that's grit. I don't know if that's grit. That's just that's just um, inability to know when you are a when you are just prey, but you're just going to do it anyway. I, I think the jury's out on what exactly Jerichoff. Either way, though. Uh, the run game continues to look good. Fourth in DVOA, highest percentage of rushes, earning first downs. Uh, Jeremy, like I think, I think what happened is the Lions did get away from the run game as this game went on, which is why we didn't see as much. And Swift started to be used more as a dump off option than he was as a ground game. Which I mean, still a great dump off option for receptions, forty one yards. But where 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 are you right now? Like this is the big surprise, and I think part of it though is that Swift is paying off, Jamal's paying off, 
But most of all, just the offensive line is setting the tone early in these games. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. And God forbid the Lions keep it close for four quarters in, in any of these games and we see what the, the running game looks like for an entire game. We we could be looking at like, you know, you look at the base numbers and they're, and they're not, not that impressive. 19 rushes, 108 yards, and they had, what, 130 yards um, the week before. It's not like they're rushing for 230 yards and it's not like they're the Ravens or the Titans. They're not running the ball down the throat, yeah. Right, and and but I think a lot of that is because like the game, they can't because of the game plan, because they're falling behind 17 points, 28 points. And um, early in games, though, we're seeing huge holes. We're seeing regular 10-yard runs, 12-yard runs, 15-yard runs. Those are happening, and most of, the, most of it is happening before these running backs are even touched. And, and we talked about it a little bit last week. Like We, we didn't see a ton of yards after, after contact out of these running backs. I think we didn't really in this game much either. Um, but that just goes to tell you how good this offensive line is playing right now. And again, like this offense, this defensive line that they were going against wasn't the 49ers, but it did have Kenny Clark, one of the, one of the most underrated nose tackles in the game. And Frank Ragnow was kind of eating his lunch in this game. And that is very, very promising. I, I think, I think Frank Ragnow specifically is by far this team's best player right now. And it's not particularly close. He is so much fun to watch. He's still, I believe, the number one PFF-rated center in the league, and I don't think that's particularly close either. He is just dominating people in the center of, of that offensive line, and it shows. Like, Jonah Jackson, I thought, had a really good game when it came to run blocking, which I think he's, he's quite good at. There, there's some issues in pass protection there. We all know Panay Sewell is, is a mauler in the run game as well. And, and so is Halapuli Vati Vaitai. So, like, they have that offensive line that they need to maul people up front and I think that's why maybe you saw some frustration on that fourth and one call. It's just like, you know what your identity is. Go, go impose your will on these guys. And, and, he was at, and Dan Campbell was asked about it today. He's like, well, we tried that in week one and it didn't work. Well, you're not wrong, but also Jamal Williams stumbled. So maybe this, is all, this also back. isn't week one. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but, but yeah, overall, like this is something that we've been dying to see for years. And listen, I, I still want to preach, preach a little caution here. You said earlier that they, the Lions have established the run yet. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm still memeing, Jeremy. Yet. I'm still memeing. All right. I'm still memeing on establishing the run. Yeah. But I need I need a thousand I need a couple of thousand yard seasons or something before yeah, exactly. I'm exactly like really because because we had flashes like this in, in the Matt Patricia era, right? Like we had some really, really yeah. good games out, out of carry on back in the day. Um, we had a couple of, you know, hundred yard rushing games from Swift last year. Let's just see we consistency is the key to being good, right? And the Lions have passed the test two, two weeks in a row. But again, we still haven't seen if they're capable of doing this for four quarters. And it's not that they're incapable of doing it. They just haven't had the opportunity to run the ball for four quarters. And I'm really interested, like, if this team ever has a lead in the fourth quarter, they need that five-minute drill at the end to, to bleed out the clock, and everyone knows they're going to run the ball. Are they still going to be able to run the ball? And that's something I don't know yet. And so I, so far, so good. But let, let's see how the rest plays out. That's where I'm at with the run game. Yeah. and. I think when it comes to that specific scenario that you just mentioned too, Jeremy, a, a thing that I feel good about the Lions offense right now is I think Anthony Lynn is doing a good job scheming stuff yeah. up. Like mm -hmm. when I when I saw that Quintez Cephas touchdown, like that route concept with the dig and the, the kind of fade route that uh, that Quintez Cephas ran, he was wide open. The Packers were completely, you know, 
out of sorts. They had no idea. And it's kind of like Jared Goff took a little too long to find Cephas that wide open. And also it took him a little long to get the ball. Like that shouldn't have been the sideline catch. That should have been like an easy pitch and catch, but neither here nor there. I, I had Frank Ragnow as my lions offensive MVP uh, in our preseason um, articles that we did for pride of Detroit and what he did to Tyler Lancaster last night yeah, should have been a should have been assault. Like, <laughs> I mean, there there was a there was there was there were a couple plays that he made that really stood out to me. But the the one that you put on Twitter was the one where I'm like, the the line of scrimmage is all the way back at what like the the 50 yard line, and he's at the opposing 39, still yeah, pushing his that, yeah. still pushing his man. Like, holy smokes! Like, you talk about some athletes on that offensive line, and and it all starts up front with Ragnow. The the thing that's interesting to me the most is this isn't even the full unit. Decker's right. not playing. And what happens when Decker comes back? And I know that we have time to talk about this and it's going to be, you know, fodder for sports talk radio for, for, you know, the, the upcoming couple of weeks here, because Decker is going to be eligible after next week. Right. Yep. And yeah, I, I don't know where you play him. Sewell looks really good in pass pro on the left side. Like really, really good, and it's it's. I guess it's a really it's it's a it's a good bad spot to be in. It is, and you know, you you look at basically any any professional athletes, any professional offensive linemen that have been watching Sewell's play, you know, in the preseason and and in the regular season, they're all they're all saying the same thing. It's just his pass set pass sets look so much smoother. He looks so much more comfortable. He's getting into the position where he needs to be a lot quicker, and you have to think like that's where his future is at left tackle. No question about it with me. That's where he's going to play. The question is, do you make it now? Do you make it later? We've seen, we've seen kind of like differing results with, with the lions and, and their young players. Like sometimes they're throwing them right into the fire right away. Right. We, we, we saw that with AJ Parker. Um, we, we, we saw it with, you know, kind of out of necessity with the Fatu Malafanu, um, you know, but they've also, with the guy that we're going to talk to about a little later, like Derek Barnes, they also kind of want to take him along. slow. so are they going to slowly progress Sewell to the left side? Are they going to throw Decker? Like they, everything they've said is Decker's our left tackle. Decker's our left tackle. Decker's our left tackle. But you have to wonder how many good performances does it take for them to be like, all right, we got to think about this. And maybe they are thinking about it and just not telling internally, us. internally, they're already having yeah. that. Discussion. I think, I think they're having that conversation. The one conversation I don't think they're going to be having is trading Taylor Decker though. No, no. like that's, that's ridiculous. I, nope. I know, I know that's fodder because everyone loves the uh, swing for the fences, home run trade machine, especially in, in this age, especially with some of the injuries going around. But like, as, as Jeremy said, this is, I mean, as Jeremy Ryan said, this is a good problem to have. This isn't, this isn't, hey, let's make this more of a problem by getting rid of a guy who could play right tackle just because we're convinced that, you know, he wouldn't transition to right tackle. Not, I not think- to mention, like, th- this guy represents everything that Dan Campbell loves. Like, Taylor Decker is, yeah. is that dude. He's that gritty guy. He's a guy that, that's super competitive. That's a great locker room presence. You know, didn't make captain this year, but as a previous team captain, like, he's, he's exactly the kind of guy that, that Dan Campbell will fall in love with if he hasn't already. Um, even though, you know, he's, he's a wuss for, you know, getting surgery and not playing through broken fingers. Um, no, he's, he's, he's a dude. This coaching staff, for, by all means, really, really likes this guy. And, I mean, he's, he also seems like the guy that might be like, you know what, 
I see the writing on the wall. Sewell's really good. Let me let me switch back to right tackle and see if I still got it there. Yeah, he's got. I think I think when it comes down to his Jecker, just veteranship and experience says he's got probably more. He he would probably slide in mid season better to right tackle. If this was still a question okay. before yeah. the injury, then yeah, I, I could see them still trying to play Sewell to right tackle. But now you're kind of in the thick of things, and Sewell's gotten used to playing on the left side. I, I, I'm just gonna throw out this tinfoil hat because this is this is what I do. Mm-hmm. What if Decker doesn't move sides? He just moves inside. No, it's just an idea. Left guard, move, move Jonah Jackson to the right side, move Vitae out to right tackle. I, I just want to say it on the podcast. So if it happens, I can come back and gloat well, and, about and it. This, but I don't think it's crazy to, to suggest. It's another idea that's been thrown out by former offensive linemen saying like, listen, you get used to that side and those movements, and it's an and in a lot of cases it is an easier transition to left guard. My issue there is just like you're making your tackle spots worse for no reason because we tried Vitae at tackle last year, it didn't work very well. It's not his best position, and if you're not, if if you're keeping Matt Nelson there, like you're suddenly you don't even have your your top five out there, which is a horrible horrible idea. So to me, I just think everyone's biggest potential. Uh, is prop you know if you're if you're giving everyone the the, the greatest potential combination, it, it it's Sewell left and it's Decker at right tackle, and I mean why why mess with Jonah too right like that that's that's another transition for a young player that's not going to be easy. No, it's it's a it's a lot more moving pieces, but for yeah. a guy who was your left tackle, he he you know messes up a finger and then he comes back to a whole new position he has to learn. Uh, yeah, and like I don't know. No, it's kind of tough. tough. No matter what happens, someone's going to struggle in a transition here because you got to move someone. And it's I just, just a matter. I think, of, yeah, yeah. The the best long term, I think, rotation or, or lineup or whatever you want to call it is Decker, right? What left? Like that's that's what even short term, and and probably short term too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean we 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 saw we saw Sewell play in the preseason on the right side, and then now we've seen him play two regular season games against Nick Bosa. And what the Packers were throwing at him. And right. he looked like he belongs. Yep. And he's not even able to legally drink yet. Whatever we wanna, can do to, him to just get Matt Nelson out. No offense to the man, but he's just he's clearly not ready. Whatever positive signs we saw last year, and we can all bring up the, the Khalil Mack game if if you want, but no. Nope. I don't even like joking about that anymore. That used to be my bit, and I don't even want it to be my gimmick anymore. <laughs> I'd rather have Darren Fells at right tackle. Jeez. Well, I don't think I don't think we've talked about the wide receivers yet, so I want to transition over to that. So I think I mentioned last week how much Hawkinson and the running backs were getting the uh, ball from Jared Goff. A little more balanced this week, I believe that Cephas Cephas was targeted seven times. Hawkinson was targeted nine. Uh, Trinity Benson had three targets, only one catch, but like he was getting more of the wide receiver core involved this time around. Jared Goff was um, Cephas obviously stands out in part because of a very long, uh, probably the long catch of the day at 46. But even before that, he was still making some uh, some pretty impressive catches, I, I thought at least. Yeah. And. It surprised me, honestly, to see him out there as much as he did, because I was convinced, you know, obviously no Tyrell Williams in this game. So we knew it was going to be Khalif Raymond and someone, you know, Khalif Raymond himself was dealing with an injury, too. 
And based on everything the Lions had been saying, it seemed like they really liked Trinity Benson a, a lot more than they liked Quinn Cephas. Like they kept saying, anytime they would compliment Quinn Cephas, it would always come with a, you know, but he's got to get better. With <laughs> with Trinity Benson, it was like, this guy's great. Like, I think we got something really special. Like as soon as he gets caught up, he's going to be amazing. And maybe that's it. Like maybe the guy just still needs to catch up to this offense. He's only been here two weeks. Dude hasn't, he's still getting his first NFL reps this year. Um, so, so maybe it just wasn't, he wasn't ready, but yeah, I thought Quintus Cephas looked pretty darn good, especially in the early parts of the game. The problem is that all of his yards came in the first half. I think he had seven receiving yards in the, in the entire second half. Well, which, uh, he also, he also had Kevin King on him a lot in the first half yep. too, which, uh, Packers again, fan. not to turn this, not to turn this into a Packers podcast again, but Kevin King was definitely the sieve of that cornerback unit. No question. He had a good breakup on that one pass that, that. Cephas only made the almost made the the Odell catch in, but um, oh my god, yeah, that catch, man! If he had all it was was his arm getting tangled up on that, like yeah, yeah. If he could have gone up with a second arm, uh, would have been nice. But I, I think the one thing that's I don't know mildly concerning or at least disappointing is is the sun god, right? Like I'm on Ross St. Brown has been very quiet in these first couple games, and a lot of it is usage. Like they're they're not playing him a ton. Um, they're not going three wide very often, so they're not having him out there in the slot. I thought maybe they kick him out to the outside a little bit, but it, it looks like that wasn't in the game plan. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm I'm a little surprised by how little he's getting used, targeted. Um, you know, he was he was open on that fourth down play, but uh, you know, Goff was pretty locked into his one read, and he didn't really have a ton of time to go you know to a second or third read on that on that play. Yeah, so. I think I think he's just getting a little hosed a bit in that <clears throat> Goff either goes to first read or checks completely the way down and Amon Ra is probably not his first read and he's a rookie. He's still learning out there still too. Oh, so, I mean, so is, I mean, Quintus Cephas yeah. is in his second year. Trinity Benson <laughs> is getting his first NFL action. It's not like there's, there's a bunch of seasoned veterans out there that golf is looking to instead. True. True. Yeah. I, the, the thing about Amon Ra last night and I was combing through the PFF grades <laughs> and, and looking at the coverage versus receiving report. Here's what happened with Amon Ra. He caught two passes against Devondre Campbell. That's a linebacker. And his other three targets were against Jair Alexander. And in those in those five targets, caught two passes against Devondre, caught one pass against Jair. The two other passes were drops. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if it was just a, if it was a rhythm thing, if it was a rain thing if it was what it was. But yeah, I mean, only getting five targets for, you know, a a guy that I think a lot of us were assuming to be a a, a bigger piece of this offense. Maybe we were just kind of assuming that the receivers were going to be a bigger part of the offense when really it's everything is born out of TJ Hawkinson and everything is born out of the run game. But the the one other thing I want to say about the coverage report that stood out to me was the reason why I think the, the flip happened with Quintez Cephas is like Chris mentioned, you know, Kevin King in the first half and the second half, they put the rookie Eric Stokes in and Eric Stokes played lockdown. I mean, uh, he had a pass breakup against Trinity Benson. He had a pass breakup against Quintez Cephas. And he, yeah, he only he only gave up one reception for five yards. Eric Stokes played really, really well for a first round rookie. And that's that's what's going to be encouraging about the Packers defense long term is pairing those two guys, Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes. That's going to be when we come back around in week, what is it? 18. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Last game of the season. 
yeah, we'll, we'll see where they're at, but that's where I think the Packers probably stand to improve the most. But that's why I think the Lions were able to pick on, you know, the Packers in the first half so much. Good point. I think sometimes we lose the the other team's perspective of, of matchups. And yeah, that's that's a big change. And I know Packers yeah. fans have been dying for that move to, to be made really since since they drafted the guy. Yeah. Well, it also it just it, I think it's also a fair warning that maybe depending this, the Lions receivers are going to be matchup to matchup, uh, depending on other secondaries that they're going to have to. And, and they're, they're going to struggle against good year. corners, right? Like they're, yeah. if, if they're matched up against good corners, they're not great wide receivers, right? They're, they're, the Lions are going to have to rely on scheme to get them open. And Anthony Lynn has done an OK job with that. I, I would say I would say of all the coaches, he might be the one that's impressed me the most. Um, but he's also dealing with with kind of a, a tough hand when it comes to the receivers. So he's got a tough hand on pretty much everything there except for running backs and offensive line. But yeah, but anyway, yeah. let's take a break and then we're going to what was that? And TJ Hawkins and TJ. Well, TJ's TJ is kind of like I, I'm just lumping him as like this weird weapon that defies any well, big kind skill. Of, he's, he's the big skill. That's what he's Dan big Campbell skill. Calls he's big skill. And he needs to stop trying to jump as someone is diving at his knees. That's <laughs> all I'm asking for. That's the thing. Last last year, it was him falling down this year. It's hey, a guy's diving at my knees. Let me try to jump. And let him get let him get let let me let this defender get a good look at my knees before I immediately get flipped upside down. It's just Things one. That, it's just one. I mean, it's one too many. You're, you're probably right. I mean, it, it's it one was too only, many. It was only one in his rookie year and we all saw what happened there. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back. It's defense time. We're going to rip this bandaid off. And uh, we're going to have some very interesting blood to look at here. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast by diving into the seedy underbelly of the Lions defense in this game against the Green Bay Packers. This is where the game was lost. This is where the game was lost. And I've been using it as a quip. I'm using it because it's funny, but it's also true. The Lions have not had a good linebacker core since the Barack Obama presidency. And I think that was pretty much on display out there when 
I, look, Alex Anzalone is getting killed out there from fans today. The coaching staff is still sticking by him, and I think that's the right decision. This was a guy who in his career has averaged over a 70 PFF grade in coverage for his career. He's having a slow start, if anything, but it doesn't stop with him. Jamie Collins wasn't particularly great in this game either. And the linebacker core has created a lot of pressure, a lot of scrutiny because it's where the Lions have been getting killed over and over, Jeremy. Every year it happens again and again. They get killed over the middle. They get killed on short passes. They get killed on by Aaron Jones. And they get killed by Robert Tunyon. And everyone is screaming and baying because at this point, they want to see what Derek Barnes is. Doesn't matter that he's a fourth-round draft pick. Doesn't matter that he's a rookie. They saw a flash of him in the preseason. They want him now, now, now. Well, good news. You're probably going to get him next week. But but before we get to Derek Barnes, let, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the linebackers because I mentioned it during our you know our, our post game show. They were put in a tough position, right? Lines playing two deep safeties. Basically, it was up to the linebackers to cover everything in the middle and. They did a really bad job of it. Um, I, I think combined Alex Anzalone and, and Jamie Collins were targeted like, I, I want to say like nine total times in that game. And, and how many receptions did they allow? Nine. Two touchdowns. Nine. It was nine, really nine. bad. It was. And, and, you know, you look at Alex Anzalone for, for the year now. He's, he's also given up nine receptions on nine targets. Um, and, and not for, you know, that's at, at 11.7 yards per reception. So not. Not little dump offs, not three, four yard, you know, passes that he's he's making an immediate tackle on. It hasn't been good. It's been really bad. And I, I, I rewatched the film and I see part of what Dan Campbell is saying and and you know, Dan Campbell it's worth noting that Dan Dan Campbell was not directly asked about An, Alex Anzalone. He was asked about what things he liked about the defense, what gives him promise for the defense. And unprompted, he mentioned Alex Anzalone and basically said he wasn't perfect. But he thought he was all over the field, made a lot of plays, thought he played with a lot of energy. And it kind of brings you to this whole thing where it's just like he's a, he's exactly the kind of guy that Dan Campbell's going to fall in love with because he's tenacious, because he doesn't give up, because he's he is all over the field. Like he's running everywhere and he's he's not giving up. And he's a guy that's going to chase a guy 30 yards downfield and, and try to make a tackle. But but you got to make plays. You got to make tackles. You, you got if, if you're in good position for some of these pass plays, for some of these coverage plays. You got to eventually make that play. And, and that's what we're talking about with Alex Anzalone because it, it's not like he's getting burned completely. You know, maybe there was a play or two like that where he was three or four steps behind. He's in position a lot of times to make that play, but he's either missing a tackle or he's not putting his hands up when, when Tunyon is, is going for the catch right over his shoulder. Um, and so I can see, I can see the part where Dan Campbell's like, I'm enamored by this guy because he's he's everything we represent in, in what we're trying to do on defense, that, that tenacity. But it's almost like it's almost the same thing that got Matt Patricia in trouble, which is I need my defensive players to have this one mindset where it's all football, no fun, work, 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 hard workers. Who cares if they're not talented? If they're a hard worker, I want them. It, it's almost it, it's, it's adjacent to that because like you're getting grit and, and energy and things on the field, but you're not getting production. And at some point, the production matters. I can definitely see. I think Dan Campbell's mostly enamored with Alex Anzalone because he spent a lot of this game jawing at Aaron Rodgers to the point where I thought he was going to get called for something at some point. But those two were going at it quite a bit. 
which um, again, that's impressive. He's supposed to be the captain. So you want to kind of rattle Aaron Rodgers cage. I just don't think it worked this time. Yeah, I don't think that you ever want to tug on Superman's cape or spit into the wind. So um, <laughs> I, I would prefer not to piss off Aaron Rodgers, especially when he's coming off his his worst game he's ever played. But uh, props to Alex Anzalone for having uh, that head of hair. It's a great head of lettuce. Um, I the the thing the thing that was concerning to me was the first half. I wasn't totally bummed out with how the Lions were playing defense. Like I, I was pretty happy with their approach in terms of, you know, playing that two deep safety look, keeping everything in front of them. You know, if if plays were going to be made, they were going to, you know, it was going to happen in front of them. It wasn't going to get behind them. And then things went sideways in the second half. And that's where, you know, the deep play to Devontae Adams along the sideline where Melfano gets injured. The the balls on Aaron Rodgers to make that throw to Tunyon for the touchdown when he had a shallow receiver running across the field that would have been an easy first down for for a run and some gain. Nope, he throws it to Tunyon when he's in a window that's like the size of your Ford Fiesta. Like it's like Aaron Rodgers, just really good. And that's why I think this defense is young. And hopefully what you continue to see, though, because I I, I like the improvements from last week to this week, like. Yeah, the, the, the run game in terms of stopping the run wasn't great, but it seemed better. Or maybe my expectations were that the Packers were just going to run all over Detroit. And I don't think that really happened. I think it happened through a passing attack more so than it did a run, a run game. But it does. It comes back on the linebackers. Is Derek Barnes going to be the magical elixir that everybody thinks he's going to be? I mean, you're you're putting a lot of you're putting a lot of pressure and you're putting a lot of stock in a guy who, as Chris said, he's a fourth round rookie. He's shown he's shown good in some spots, but it's only been spots. Yes, but I mean, we, this has to kind of drag us to the to the other side of the coin here in, in Jamie Collins, because where, you know, Dan Campbell has been praising Alex Anzalone. He did not shy away from criticism of Jamie Collins. And to me, that that was very Telling and, and not a surprise. I like I literally wrote in my mailbag last week, like Jamie Collins looks like he's dogging it a lot. I mean, he looks like it not only in the games, looks like it in practice. It's it's a reputation that has followed him throughout his entire career. And if there's one kind like, you know, you know, what Dan Campbell would talk a guy who, who dogs it in practice. You know what he call him? A turd. He call him a turd. No turds. And you can't have no that turds here. No turds here. And and listen, like. I'm not saying this team is about to cut Jamie Collins, but if you listen to him talk today, it sure as hell sounded like, like we're going to see a lot of Derek Barnes and maybe not so much Jamie Collins next week. And he did say like, listen, there are things that Jamie Collins that, that only he can do on this team that we need. He's a great pass rusher on. Yeah. He's, he's more of a pass rusher. The problem is lions just have a problem getting beaten coverage nonstop. And you have no one and Jamie Collins isn't helping you in coverage. You need and, a coverage we, linebacker here. Right. And, and, and we don't know if Derek Barnes is capable of that, right? He's only played one year as an off-ball linebacker. He's got all the athletic traits you want. He's done some great things in the preseason. In his five snaps in the season opener, he looks pretty good. But we don't know how that looks. And, and, but to me, like, it sounds to me like Jamie Collins is close to done right now. Like, he, he's close to his last leg with this team. Just, just with the way he was talking about it, like, if, if he's a great pass rusher on third down, great. But this team needs to get into a third and long for that to even matter. 
Like they're not are, are they going to put Jamie Collins on the field on a third and two right now? I don't think they will. I think they'd probably trust a guy like Derek Barnes more. And so like, yes, everyone who expects Derek Barnes to come in here and transform the defense, you're probably misguided. But it, I mean, what's the harm in trying right now? This team yeah. seems to kind of have Jamie Collins in the doghouse and he's not playing particularly well anyway. So listen, like I, I understood why they took him along slowly. I know there were some people that were mad that he wasn't in the game last week, but if they put Derek Barnes in to start in week three, like, they didn't have him on a very short leash. Like, I don't think you can complain that this this team was afraid to start their young players. And they specifically said they weren't going to be afraid to do that. So um, I'm I'm excited because I, I like seeing new players and, and ones that are athletic and, you know, are going to kind of run with their hair on fire a little bit. I'm not expecting him to be this team's best defender right out the gate, though. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just it's a bad unit. It's it's something that's going to have to get fixed, not this year, but next year, maybe after that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know where you pick linebacker in the upcoming draft. But, up there. Uh, it's it's, up it's there. definitely up there. It's definitely up there. Just a matter of matter of, you know, the value of where in the draft, obviously. <laughs> you, you know, what's also going to be up there. What's that? Cornerback. <laughs> Yeah, especially with this walking mash unit, um, you know, already down Jeff Okuda and now um, Jeremy update on 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 Melifon Uwu. Yeah, uh, if I Melifonu suffered a, a, a thigh, no, or no, <laughs> I am um, doing a weeb. Uh, no, uh, it's it, he suffered a thigh injury. Uh, Dan Campbell reiterated again today. It's going to take several weeks, maybe more. So. He's almost certainly going on IR this week, which means at least three games. It's probably going to be more like, you know, maybe a, a two month type of thing. It seems like the the way the lines are talking. So probably not going to see him until like December, maybe late November at the at the earliest. Maybe not at all the, the rest of the season. You never know, which to me, like the the biggest bummer is not like, oh, man, the Lions are missing out on a talented player this year. They're, they're going to suck now. It's damn it. Like we expected Iffy to and, and he was showing some progression, right? Like he, he was, was showing some like, promise and, and he didn't look terrible in the first half either. Like it wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. And he's now, now he's going to miss two months worth of reps. Jeff Okuda was a guy that we expected to look a lot better at the end of the season than he did at the start of the season. Now he has to start all over and, and rehab from one of the, the toughest injuries. It's just all the promise. All, it, you're not with these injuries. You're not only hurting this year and who cares about this year, you're hurting the future. And that's what's to me so frustrating about these injuries is that now you have to wonder whether Jeff Oku is ever going to turn his career around. Now, if he's development is, is going to be stunted a couple months and maybe that means he's not going to start the year off very well. And next year and, and you know, maybe towards the end of year two is when you finally see him like making like, okay, he could actually be a legitimate starter now. And so that's, that's why it sucks in the long term. In the short term, I don't have any answers. You guys. Price is right, baby. Bobby Price. Yeah, it's, it's, not, I a mean, place, it's not a good place to be. It's not a great place to be. And you're not, you're mean, not it, only it, at now asking the young guys to do stuff. You're asking the young guys who were on the outside of this roster and yeah. have been picked up because they might be unpolished gems. And now you're asking the polish really quickly. Bob, Bobby Ryan. price was probably 53 on this team's roster. And now he, now he's staring down a starting job. Yeah. I, I talked about this in stock report, but Amani or for as bad of a 
pass interference call as that was against him late in the game. Like that's your longest tenured cornerback. That's your most veteran cornerback, you know, playing good in run defense. Uh, you know, he had, uh, according to PFF, he had two stops, which I mean, some other players who had two stops in the run game, Aline McNeil, Michael Brockers. I mean, you're getting this kind of production from a cornerback in, in, in your run defense. So, I mean, that's encouraging, you know, only gave up three catches and for the, you know, on those three catches, only 10 yards, a couple of them were short ones to Devonte Adams. So, I mean, maybe be encouraged by the fact that the lions don't need a nickel corner right now because they seem all right with AJ Parker. Knock on wood, that dude doesn't get injured. Jeez. Oh gosh. If that happens, I don't know how, how much money can you offer Quentin Dunbar? Like, can you offer him all the money that you have left? Like, I mean, the lions are just gonna. That's, that's the, that that's what's concerning is that, you know, you wanted to see the secondary make an improvement and they're not even at full strength. So you're, you're left with a lot of these guys. Like you said, Jeremy, Bobby price was probably man. Number 53 on this roster. And you know, whatever, this is going to be remembered as the law season. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's tough. And, and Daryl Worley's out there as well. And, 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 you know, his name was thrown around today by Campbell. So it seems like he's probably, he's, he's I, I would say there's a really good chance that when slash if, if he goes on, you know, IR, he's the guy that they bring up immediately from the, from the practice squad. So, and he's a guy that at least brings some experience, right? Like 54 career starts. He's a former third round pick. His PFF grades aren't very good in particular. And I can't speak to, you know, watching his film or anything like that, but he's, he's just a guy that can step in for Christ's sake. And that's, that's what the team needs right now. And so maybe I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start opposite, um, opposite Amani uh, against the Ravens and who knows how that's going to play out. But you know, it, it's, it's just a tough situation to me. Again, it, it's more about the future that this hurts than, than the present, because like I said, it's a lost year. It's not that important that the Lions rack up a bunch of wins or, um, you know, PBUs, it's it's progress in their young players. And, and now two young players are going to miss a, a significant portion of this year. Yeah, it's just that that's what hurts the most is like. All these guys with a lot of talent who could be developing, who could be out there and just. You know, seeing what you have and, and working them and getting them the snaps is like. It's the one part of the rebuild year where it's like this is something that is productive. And you're just not getting it. Yep. Hey, but um, you pay Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant a lot of money to to fix up a, a ragtag group of of corners, and we'll we'll see if if they can. I mean, we'll see what they can do. The degree yeah. the degree of difficulty is cranked up to eleven. Yeah, absolutely. Throw them into and, the danger zone. Yeah, and and the other name that that we failed to mention, Corey Ballantyne. I mean, maybe we'll see we'll see his status um, in in the lead up to this week and everything. But you you you'd have to imagine that going into this Ravens game, maybe they might activate some guys that are going to be situationally good against a very run heavy Ravens team. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, real quick, like two minutes here. Uh, any thoughts, real quick thoughts on the D line? Uh, like I kind of mentioned at the top, I thought, I thought they were better than, than what I thought in, in the live viewing. Um, as, as Ryan mentioned a couple of times, the, the run defense was a little bit better than maybe it seemed as the game was going on because, um, you know, you look at, look at those stats, like, they average less than three yards a carry. Um, even their, or, or I should say, around three yards a carry with their with their running backs. 
And and the pass rush was was kind of getting there. Like three sacks is nothing to shake your stick at, and those weren't. I think maybe there was one coverage sack amongst those. Romeo Quar I think is playing pretty well, even though he doesn't have a sack yet on the season. And I don't know, like I, I guess the the biggest disappointment is is coming from like the interior there. Outside of Nick Williams, I think they're they're struggling up there. We're not seeing a ton from Ali McNeil. We're not seeing you know Levi made his debut and and didn't really do too much in that game. Um, we we didn't see Julian Aquara pretty much at all, which was kind of a bummer. Charles Bryant, is that right? Is that his name? Why am I Charles Harris? You put Austin Harris. Bryant and Charles Harris I did. together. That's what happened. Thank you. I thought that sounded <laughs> wow. Weird. Uh, he he surprisingly had a a pretty good game. I think he actually came out as the number one PFF guy on the Lions defense. So. You you can see the 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 peg the the order there right like it's Romeo Aquara and Trey Flowers it's Charles Harris and then right now Austin Bryant and Julian Aquara are, are fighting for that fourth active spot but neither of them have gotten you know any playing time essentially even when they win that fourth spot so I I'm a, <coughs> excuse me I'm a little disappointed by that unit but they were better than they looked <laughs> yeah I, the the thing that was um kind of a head scratcher to me was i know levi just getting healthy and coming back for for week two now for his debut but only playing 10 snaps when it really seemed like the rest of that interior unit um you know needed a needed a kickstart needed a jolt and you know much to the chagrin of our podcast it came from nick williams of all people um but yeah. i mean <laughs> that i mean it is what it is that guy you know, credit where credit's hey, due. He had a really good game. Yeah, props to him on that. Um, all right, I think we've covered the whole the whole team. Um, looking ahead to Baltimore. Prediction pain. It's a team that's feeling itself right now. I know. They're, Keep tuning in to the what? What? They're not what? a perfect team though. Like they're all no, they're not. Is, is is kind of patchwork right now, and I know the run game still looks pretty good without it. But Lamar Jackson's a little, you know little turnover prone and i don't know i don't know what i think about their defense yet i, I think their defense is also a little bit i got i know they just beat the chiefs but don't forget that the week prior they lost to the raiders the two and oh las vegas raiders fugazi don't worry I'll it'll be it'll be it'll be eight and seven before you know it thanks all right, we're going to get out of here. That's it for us. Thank you all very kindly. This has been the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Uh, Twitch is now asking if we have any safety hate. No safety hate this time, at least not in this podcast. I mean, they barely got tested, right? They were playing yeah. too deep the whole time, and they completed, what, one deep yeah. pass? And that Trust was the me, one time we, they we were got to save it. We got to save it. We're going to have, we have plenty of season ahead of us. Can't burn it out too quickly. For myself, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews, we will see you star side. Oh.